Hello and welcome to Gods and Movie Makers, otherwise known as, insert otherwise known as joke here, the show about how religion and the Bible shape the stories we tell on screen. I'm Joe Scales. And I'm Katie Turner. On this slightly unusual episode, you may have already gathered things are going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk about some of our reflections on Christmas films before and after recording our recent episode with Chris DC. Yeah, so I was thinking about this episode as sort of an afterword to our Christmas special on Elf. We had such a good time recording with Chris that it spurred a lot of really interesting additional chatter among friends and colleagues. It sent me down some weird little research rabbit holes. So you and I decided to come back together to share some of the questions raised and things learned. To our listeners, if you have not yet listened to our Elf episode, we do suggest you do that first and then come back to this one because this really is an afterword. Mm -hmm. And we're just so grateful to Chris for his time and his thoughts. And we want to just respond generously to how he engaged with lots of our questions and insights on Christmas. Yeah. We just had so many more thoughts and as we will discuss, went away and kind of made further inquiries that we'll share with you around some of the ideas around perception of the meaning of Christmas, let's say, and how this relates to a sense of self and identity. Usually, before we record an episode, we go away and we do some research on whichever film we'll be talking about. And this could include details about the making of the film, maybe historical background reading on the time period the film is set in, if that's relevant, of course. Mm -hmm. And obviously, anything that our guest has written on the film, the theme, or the broad topic that we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. So researching for Elf, I sort of went off on a little tangent. (laughs) And to explain this, I want to back up a bit and just talk about my relationship with Elf very briefly. Mm-hmm. It is one of my very favorite Christmas movies, and yet I was not the one who suggested it for this episode. But Wow. Who suggested it? You suggested it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, yes, please, because I love that movie. So Elf I saw for the first time in 2006, which is three years after it came out. Mm-hmm. And that also happens to be the very first time that I celebrated Christmas in my own home. Mm. I was living in Brooklyn with one of my closest friends and my boyfriend, who would later become my husband. Mm -hmm. Both of them came from Christian families, one very religious, the other not at all. So they would naturally want to have Christmas. And I got to indulge in something I had always kind of coveted, which is like Mm -hmm. a real American Christmas. I was so excited to get a tree and we bought decorations and we did all the things. And I made hot cocoa and we watched movies. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this was the first time I watched Elf, I think just beyond the film's brilliance made it really special to me. Mm -hmm. And I have basically watched it every Christmas since. I never really thought about the film, though, not the way that we think about films on this show. Mm -hmm. As I went away to do this sort of pre-recording research and I'm thinking about the film properly for the first time, it hit me that the director, John Favreau, and the screenwriter, David Berenbaum, are both Jewish. Also, Ed Asner, who played Santa, and James Mm -hmm. Kahn, who was the Scrooge-esque Walter Hobbs, also Jewish, but I think that's a little bit less relevant to Mm -hmm. where I'm going with these thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Like, as it occurred to me, I started to wonder about Jewish creators Uh and their contributions that they have made to Christmas. Because obviously here, with just this one movie, we have two Jewish men who've made a huge contribution to the cultural side of Christmas. Mm, Absolutely. I was doing some searching on the internet. I wanted to see if anybody... I was on the interwebs. (laughs) And... uh, 
I went to the Google and I <laughs> I wanted to know whether anybody had written anything about this. Hey. I found a blog post article on Stanford's website mm-hmm. written by Rob Capolo, who's a composer. And he is talking about the Jewish composers who composed some of the sort of classic Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. And those include, did you hear what I hear? Silver Bells, The Christmas Song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, A Holly Jolly Christmas, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, Winter Wonderland, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, Let It Snow, and White Christmas. Mm. So like a lot of, I think, the songs that feel really core to a classic American Christmas all came from Jewish immigrants or the children of Jewish immigrants. Well, you could also stretch this back further to Felix Mendelssohn. Mm. He also composed Hark the Herod Angels Sing, or at least the melody, and a number of other things. So this is a long-standing contribution. Yeah. Rob Capolo talks about it in relation to the Jewish desire to assimilate and become mainstream Americans. And what I mean by mainstream American culture is, of course, a sort of Christian hegemonic culture. What do I mean by Christian hegemonic, Joe? Oh, that's a very good question. Probably that Christianity is the default way by which people understand and navigate the world, Mm -hmm. including certain implicit things about good and evil, in-group, out-group, teleology, by which I mean that things proceed towards a certain end, all those kind of things. Yep. What holidays are normative, what sort of like worldview points are normative, the basic concept of heaven and hell. So all of these sorts of things, they are dominant in our culture because Christianity is dominant in our culture. Mm -hmm. That's the American culture that Jewish immigrants were attempting to assimilate into. It's important to understand that Christianity manifests culturally in slightly different ways in different countries. Mm. But yeah, this is a hegemonic culture, I say Christian one. Yeah. Okay, moving on. So Capolo basically says that as outsiders, which is what I think anybody who's a minority in a culture, especially an immigrant or first generation minority in a culture, can understand what he means by outsiders. Mm-hmm. So he talks about how as outsiders, these Jewish composers were extraordinarily sensitive to the hopes and dreams of the American middle class that they so desperately wanted to enter. There's a YouTube video with Rob Capolo that accompanies the article on the Stanford website. And in this YouTube video, you can hear him talking about Irving Berlin and the composition of White Christmas. Capolo talks about how Berlin put these hopes and desires into the sound of the music itself. And I'd like to play a clip of that. Many people have tried to find tiny little moments that have a feeling of Yiddishness in this. But, you know, there was a one rabbi who said, there is not a single trace of anything Jewish in this songs or any of these other Christmas songs. They could have been written by any Christian songwriter. What there are are unique touches that are unique to Berlin, but not really unique to Yiddishness. For example, it starts off like this. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. So we have this great first chord. I mean, this would be a normal chord, no dreaming whatsoever. But all the yearning of an immigrant to be assimilated is in this one extra note. Not this, but this. So this is the dreaming. Now, a normal version would go like this. But his is, and right here, 
that chord. Now, some people see that as Yiddish, some people see that as Jewish, but to me, I just hear it as a beautiful, almost like fog on the window as you're looking at this white Christmas. Ordinary. Berlin. That chord. And I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Again, normal would be this. But his is... I mean, these are the notes that make it special. I don't believe those are really Jewish, but they're what make it special and Berlin. Then, just like the ones I used to know, it could easily have been just like the ones I know. But feel the yearning of this, all this, to that one high note. I mean, this is that immigrant Jew yearning to be part of mainstream America by inventing Christmas. Yeah, so this idea that Capolo gets at, this yearning that he sees being infused into the music, it really stuck with me over the last few weeks. And I was thinking about it in terms of Elf. It really evokes in me at least a sense of nostalgia. I think it's one of the things I like so much about it. It's like, I don't know what I'm nostalgic for watching mm. it, but I feel nostalgic. And mm -hmm. part of that is the soundtrack and the fact that it uses so many of these classic American Christmas crooner pieces. And Chris does mention this when we talked about Elf with him. Mm -hmm. And I started to wonder actually whether the sense of nostalgia that I'm feeling is actually what Capelo is tapping into, which is this sense of yearning, the desire for assimilation. I'm not saying that John Favreau and uh, David Berenbaum are coming from the same location as Jewish Americans as somebody like Irving Berlin. We're in a really different context. But there is a Netflix series called The Movies That Made Us. And the third season has an episode on Elf. Mm -hmm. And you can hear David Berenbaum talking about what his relationship was as a kid and as a young adult to Christmas movies being a Jewish American. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very brief moment that he talks about this stuff, but I do think that he is picking up on some of the same sorts of ideas that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend people check that out if they have Netflix. It's a really enjoyable episode anyway. Mm. I mean, they go through like actually how they made everything using forced perspective and why John Favreau chose to do that instead of using CGI was because he didn't want the movie to ever feel dated. And that was mm. a really good choice. Good choice. Good choice, John Favreau. It does not feel dated. I mean, John Favreau is... You know, you, you might not like some of his films, but he's a very competent filmmaker. He is, but this was only his second direction ever. He was not experienced at this point. I mean, I watch a few of his films. Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly a fan of many of them, but I just think like always there's this level of he just knows what he's doing. He just puts together a good film. He does, yeah. You know, like a, a good narrative. Yep. He knows how to cover it and shoot it. And yeah. Yeah. Big ups, John Favreau. Agree. A weird shout out. <laughs> okay. Weird, yeah, weird shout out. Okay. So to bring the conversation back from our little John Favreau sidetrack, <laughs> as I've already said, I was really stuck with this idea that Rob Capolo had introduced about Jewish creators evoking a sense of longing or yearning. And when I coupled that with how I feel when I watch Elf, I was really wondering whether there's an overlap between that longing or yearning feeling and the feeling of nostalgia. Elf perfectly brings these two together in many ways because mm -hmm. the whole story is about Buddy yearning to belong as an outsider to something. Yeah. And the mechanism by which 
essentially things have to be saved is this nostalgia for a Christmas that people believed in that was less commercial and this is what saves the day and the end is the Christmas spirit and the Mm -hmm. belief meter on the sleigh maxing out because everyone has the spirit so these two themes come together so well in Elf definitely I asked a very bumbling question to Chris about this. It wasn't great. And although the discussion that came out of it was really good, that whole chunk ended up in the cutting room floor for our Elf episode. But there was one thing that Chris talked about, which was a conversation he had had with one of his producers for one of the shows that he does. And his producer is Jewish, and they were talking about doing a Christmas movie episode, and he shared some of her feelings on that that I really understood. And I'm just going to play a clip of that bit of our conversation here on the the tv program that i you mentioned in in your introduction we have a a jewish producer who's very keen to say we must be careful at christmas that when we have our various christmas specials and the studio is adorned you know so on that we are inclusive and we don't exclude people of other faiths Mm -hmm. and we're having an interesting conversation about whether christmas is a christian celebration that christmas films are really putting christianity on a pedestal and other festivals or other people who, who don't follow Christmas are left out. And of course, I would argue the opposite in so many ways, that I think Christmas is entirely inclusive precisely because it doesn't exclude. If anything, it actually subsumes um, all those other traditions. See, now I'm curious, what did your Jewish producer think when you're having this conversation about our Christmas movies effectively or essentially Christian or not? Where, where did they land? Originally, I said, well, why don't we, for a Christmas special, have people talking about their favourite Christmas films? And she said, mm-hmm. uh, no, because she said it's going to exclude people who are not Christians. And, and I was kind of right. surprised by that, because in mm-hmm. my mind, I'd already sort of said, it's a very it's a very religious celebration, but not because of the, the, the Christianity element. So I think on that sense, we, we didn't quite come to a resolution. She was a bit concerned that, that people who are non-Christian might say, God, why are we just watching all these Christmas you know, or Christian-related films. Right. And I kind of disagree, but also utterly respected the fact that that she did feel that there was something going on here which didn't fit. So she's going to be working right the way over the, the Christmas festival. Because I said to her, mm-hmm. you know, are, you, are we going to be recording between Christmas and New Year? She said, yeah. She said, I'll be in. But she said, it's not my festival. And I thought, gosh, yeah, how interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I thought there's so much going on here. And also I had to be careful because, you know, I, I didn't want to demean or diminish where she was coming from. But I was trying to say, gosh, if anything, I feel that, you know, the celebration of Christmas feels far more inclusive than than just Christians, because many Christians would also celebrate all the secular adornments that come with it. So so I find that really interesting, because it wasn't a perspective, if I'm honest with you, uh, that, that, I, that I come across too often. Mm-hmm. I'm going to agree with your producer. I mean, I think if you're doing a Christmas episode, then it's entirely fair to ask about Christmas movies. And I love Christmas movies, as I've already said. But I do see them as not mine. I'm enjoying something that is produced by our majority Christian culture to fit into a majority Christian religious celebration. I see a lot less of it as sort of strictly secular, as I would say the majority of Christians like to claim that it is. I think that's a little bit coming from a position of being in the majority and being in the, in the broad Christian normative And so it's a little bit easier, I think, when you are placed in that insider mode to not quite notice what it's like from the outsider perspective. Yeah, so I am fascinated with what your producer came back with, because I would say, yes, I broadly agree with her. Although I think there are plenty of 
Jewish people and Muslim people and people of other religious backgrounds that do enjoy the cultural Christmas aspects. That's such an insightful point because I've always struggled with this sort of sense that Christians obviously see Christmas as, as an incredibly important festival in the Christian year. Mm-hmm. And yet when you look at the actual accoutrements of it, then they you know, they have all the sort of traditional religious ingredients there, but they, they seem to be mm-hmm. applied somewhere else. So how interesting that, you know, this sort of notion about whether anybody who is, for example, Jewish might feel that that there's this sense of maybe displacement or not quite belonging or it doesn't it's not quite their festival yet when there is such a strong often sort of jewish element in that that it's almost like let's build our own christmas myth our own christmas story when i watch these films i'm not watching it thinking gosh you know here's christianity again i mean obviously christianity is my background but when i'm watching these films i'm often thinking these have precious little to do with the traditional christian christmas so in that sense i i feel that they are quite inclusive in so many ways and we're back. So this conversation with Chris generated some further conversations and thoughts. And you actually did some polling specifically about reactions to Christmas films amongst some social circles, let's say, Katie. Yes. So I have not been able to let this idea go. Mm-hmm basically wondering whether Jews have a different sort of sense of Christmas movies. Because most of our episode with Chris, we were talking about secularity, religiosity, where Christmas movies fit. Are they secular? Are they religious? They're actually kind of something in between. (laughs) I think the way Chris really, for him, what he really gets down to is this idea that even though they're not confessionally Christian, there is something religious. But he's speaking in kind of a broad universalistic sense that I think I would push back on a little bit. But really, what I, I'm still thinking about this <laughs> this article that I had read in the video by Rob Capello, and I'm thinking about the things that Chris said and the things that his producer said, and I just had to know where other Jews were at mm-hmm. <laughs> on this question. I really wanted to like gather my people and get their sense of things. So we conducted some very unscientific, very <laughs> informal, please do not quote this, this is not a real study, polling on people in our broader networks. Mm-hmm. So I have a WhatsApp group that I'm a member of with our synagogue in London in WhatsApp. You can actually put a poll into a chat, which is great. Um, So I asked the question, do you consider Christmas movies ultimately to be option A, basically secular, or option B, at the end of the day, they're Christian? And I asked the exact same question to a few different groups of American Jews as well. And then we pose the same question to a number of academics that we know Mm -hmm. who are mostly not Jewish, Mm -hmm. but we're all skilled in the study of religion. Mm -hmm. So the results are in the results of our informal polling. Drumroll. For the Jews polled both in the UK and the US collectively, 52% said Christmas movies are secular, 39% said Christmas movies are Christian, and in very, I think, typical Jewish style, 8% refused the binary entirely (laughs) and argued back and forth among themselves. Uh 
even those who participated and did choose one in the poll did end up engaging in long conversations back and forth, debating with each other, offering their opinions. I got some amazing feedback, which we'll share in just a minute, but I first want to tell you the results. When I broke it down and separated off American Jews, including some of the Jews who are members of my synagogue here in London, who are also American, as I am, and I separated their opinions off from British Jews, there was a difference. Mm. So American Jews were more likely to say that Christmas movies are Christian. Mm -hmm. British Jews are more likely to say that Christmas movies are secular. So there's something really interesting going on there. Again, very unscientific, informal (laughs) polling, but I would love it if somebody would go off and do a real study on this. Mm. I'm fascinated by so many of the opinions that came out and the feelings that people expressed. Our group of academics was completely different. So for them, we had 90% who said Christmas movies are ultimately Christian, and 10% who said basically secular. There's a big difference between how people who study religion view this stuff, at least in our broad social circles, Mm -hmm. and how members of the public. With also some protest about the binary of the question, as expected from academics. (laughs) Totally, yes. And some people who refuse that binary and just refuse to participate. Yes, yeah. yeah. Unlike the Jewish response of, I'm refusing that binary, and I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was a little bit less engagement, I gathered, from the academic poll. A lot of silent observers, I think. Yeah, a lot of silent observers. This would be a really fascinating piece of research to go away and do some proper study with appropriate controls and thinking about intersections of identity and nationality and all sorts of other things. Yeah. If this work is already out there, we would love to know about it. Please share it with us if you know of somebody who's already done this. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious about this. And if you are a real academic, somebody who like properly knows how to do sociological research, (laughs) please go away and do this research and share it with us. And if you are neither of those, if you are not aware of any research that's already done, and if you don't want to conduct any research yourself, but you have thoughts, please share those thoughts with us. We really want to hear them. Mm -hmm. And I would like to share two that I got that I just thought were particularly interesting. So this one is coming from a member of my synagogue in the UK, so from a British-Jewish perspective, they wrote, I think of Christmas films as having a Christian core, but also universal themes of love, happiness, etc. that we can still gain from them, just as we can from many cultures. I grew up in an Orthodox household where we absolutely did nothing Christmas, no trees, cards, etc., but films were always 100% fair game. Mm -hmm. I love this comment so much because I think it gets at the heart of what movies can do for us, which is they can give us a window into the world of others in a way that we can learn, we can enjoy, empathize with. But at the same time, we are not participating in it. It doesn't become ours through a movie viewing experience. Mm -hmm. And then one of the academics that we polled who also happens to be Jewish, she responded with, I think they are only secular in a way that is intimately related to Christianity, but not always theologically Christian. Textually, they are not Christian, but practically and thematically, definitely. 
I think the whole, quote, magic of the season and goodwill towards men and love above all else is part of a small c Christian secularity. Mm -hmm. So this is the opinion that I most strongly agree with. Mm -hmm. Even thinking about how much Jewish people have contributed to the making of Christmas, I still see it as a small c Christian secularity. At the end of the day, all of these movies are about celebrating Christmas. And Christmas is not a Jewish holiday. As much as people like to imagine it, I don't think it is really a secular holiday. At the heart of it is the birth of Jesus. Who? (laughs) (laughs) Even if you are not going to church and doing the confessionally Christian side of things, that's where so many of these traditions are rooted Yes, I know some have older pagan earlier components, but they have all been fed through Christianity to be what we have today. And the thing that really stands out for me when I think about Christmas movies is that in the universe that the film creates, everyone celebrates Christmas. (laughs) That's the goal, to get everyone to celebrate Christmas. That feels pretty Christian universalism to me. So (laughs) on this kind of idea that Christmas movies are trying to get everybody to celebrate Christmas, in our conversation with Chris, he does talk about Christmas itself as well as Christmas movies. Naturally. Right. And when I was polling people with this poll, it really was very specifically just about Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to stress that the responses that we got from people were on the single question Mm -hmm. of how they view Christmas movies, not Christmas itself. Mm -hmm. That said, I was curious about the broader idea of like... How do people respond to Christmas, right? More generally as well, from different backgrounds. Yeah. Right. Like, are Jewish households celebrating Christmas? And this, I didn't poll anybody on. Mm -hmm. But I did start to look for outside data. Proper research data, right? Yeah, yeah, proper research, yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't find anything on it for the UK. Mm -hmm. So I found no information anywhere about how many Jewish households in the UK are maybe putting up a Christmas tree or in some way celebrating the holiday. Mm -hmm. It gets very difficult because it's so... What's involved in celebrating Christmas? Yeah, I mean, how do you even define what it means Mm -hmm. to celebrate Christmas? Yeah, there's some research projects here, people. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) so many. Well, actually, on that note, I did find a Pew Research survey from 2013 Mm -hmm. that asked Jewish Americans whether they keep a Christmas tree in their house or not. Mm -hmm. They didn't ask about the broader, harder to define, do you celebrate Christmas? But they did ask about this specific aspect of Christmas celebration. And they found that 32% of Jewish Americans do keep a Christmas tree in their home. Mm Mm-hmm. But then they broke this percentage down. And of that percent that are married, Mm. 71% of them have a non-Jewish spouse. Mm -hmm. So I would fall into this statistic here because I keep a Christmas tree in my house. But that is because of my non-Jewish spouse, not because of me. Mm -hmm. They didn't break down the other percentage of that 32% that aren't married. Mm -hmm. I would be really curious to know how many of them are from mixed faith households themselves. So even if they aren't married to a non-Jewish person, perhaps they have a partner who is not Jewish or perhaps they have a parent who is not Jewish. That pew does not answer. Mm. It's interesting as well how this all comes back to the 
rituals and traditions we make ourselves. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because the answers to some of these questions are often tied to your personal family history. Yep. And who knows where this particular tradition of observing Christmas actually comes in. Right. And what that means for you can be almost an anathema to what it means to someone else. Yeah. The idea of Christmas observance in itself is almost so broad and individually determined. Uh, It's so malleable. Yeah. And you can get people who do the works and they're like, but I don't really celebrate Christmas. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is really malleable. So I think that we have to recognize that people are really creative and respond to the things around them. And it doesn't mean that people don't feel like outsiders of a dominant culture or don't feel this tension of resistance or not belonging. But I want to hold space open for particularly minority groups to consciously or unconsciously be contributors and innovators and generators of what this means as a broad cultural phenomenon. I think this is such an insightful point, Joe, and I think it really relates right back to kind of where we started with Jewish creators contributing to the American Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think it gets at the point that culture doesn't belong to any one group, but that it is built by everyone. Yeah. That said, simply because a minority or an outsider group might be contributing to a hegemonic cultural tradition doesn't de facto make it universal. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'd like to circle back around to the poll Mm -hmm. because I have one final thing related to it. My family, who I absolutely sent this poll to, a number of them who refused the binary brought up Santa slashers. Mm -hmm. They were like, now, can you call a Santa slasher movie religious? That's ridiculous. Joe, you have thoughts on this. Share your thoughts. Some thoughts, yes. When people think of Santa Slasher, they might recall one of the originators of the slasher genre, which is Silent Night, Deadly Night, Mm. and I think it had three or four sequels, something like this. It became a thing. So in this, they really establish a very different approach to what Christmas is and dwell on the dark side of exclusion from Christmas and all the mayhem and this very visual image of an axe-wielding Santa is quite shocking. Last night, I watched quite a recent film called Violent Night. Mm. I just do just want to say that I will break down some of the things in Violent Night. What's very interesting in this film is there is a real Santa who is very disaffected with his role as Santa Claus, but is kind of redeemed by being placed in a situation where he has to save a family from hostage takers, essentially. Hmm. One of the central conflicts that kind of emerges throughout the film is the antagonist, played by John Leguizamo, is very, very anti-Christmas and comes across with lines. He, he constantly refers to himself as Mr. Scrooge, and he also hates Christmas because reasons from his childhood. And at one point he says, Christmas dies tonight. <laughs> because he's going to kill Santa Claus. And if there's no Santa, there is no Christmas. So the film completely dumps all of this mythology of the season on the personified figure of Santa Claus, who himself is meant to be maybe a thousand plus years old. We see flashbacks of him from his former time where he seems to have been a top of the naughty list guy as 
kind of a Viking thing, they call his name and lots of other things, who wielded a, a giant hammer called Skullcrusher. And he has to recall this aspect of himself to save the family and goes to town with a sledgehammer. Incredibly violent film. There are so many things going on in that and it's so intertextual with lots of other Christmas films. So it's essentially Die Hard with lots of elements of Die Hard 2. It's Home Alone and actively references Home Alone in the film and all these other kind of things. And there's probably huge amounts going on that just on an initial first watch I didn't pick up on. But at this point, there's almost a mythology of Santa Claus as a, a very, very modern construction that has completely subsumed all other Christmas elements. And I just want to circle back around to something you just mentioned around what's interesting in this is the imagining of the universal observance of Christmas. Mm -hmm. And even though these films might completely replace anything that might be confessionally big C Christian with these elements, with this kind of internal Christmas mythology, Mm -hmm. there is still the sense of universal observance which is a logic that comes out of a christian worldview or ideology Mm -hmm. so it's not even about okay you know sure this can be something that everyone can observe and participate in but if you frame the world in this everyone is in or they're villains right then the logic of how this breaks down still draws on this christian framework that often over millennia has grappled with the existence of other religions and faiths and practices and often excluded yeah like how do you deal with the people who don't celebrate christmas Mm. how do you explain their existence Mm. and i think for most christmas movies they just don't exist Mm mm-hmm One of the things that a lot of the people that we polled or talked to about this poll came back to us with is, well, Christmas movies are about Santa, not about Jesus. And we did talk about this a bit with Chris in our episode that Santa in many ways is kind of a metaphor for Jesus. Uh I think the conversation that I really enjoyed that came out of this that both of us had together with friends is... um, Does Santa visit everyone? Mm. Is Santa visiting children who do not celebrate Christmas? And when asked that question, a lot of people who were like, well, Christmas movies are secular because they're about Santa, they sort of paused and were like, oh, actually, (laughs) I don't know. And that kind of changed their thinking a little bit on the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, a very interesting question. There's like a reciprocal element of how Santa operates in gift giving. Yep. Yep. And there's almost like a buy-in to that. Mm -hmm. And without the buy-in, then you say, well, no. But then also there's this element of maybe he visits people but leaves them coal or some other thing they don't want. Yeah. Depending on your cultural tradition. And then the problem is it also then runs up against reality where he doesn't visit anyone. Yep. So you're just like, well... Again, it's a a question that people's own internal Christmas mythology will vary by. Yep. So my instant reaction is, of course, he just visits everyone. That's how it works. That's how children perhaps also see the world. Mm -hmm. But then you might know that perhaps some people didn't get Christmas presents for whatever reason. Yep. And then maybe there's some rationalization of this. So, okay, well, 
you know, they don't have a chimney. So yeah, but then some movies are like, that's all right. The chimney like magics out of thin air. So that's in (laughs) the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. That's one of the things that happens is there's like a magic chimney so that Santa can go down the magic chimney so that he could deliver presents to the children who Uh don't have a fireplace and a chimney. There's Mm -hmm. always a workaround. Yeah, (laughs) there's always a workaround. And it's just something to think on. The main takeaways from all of this is, first of all, it's just been a delight. Mm. All the conversations that we have engaged in, both with Chris and since talking to Chris, have been wonderful. Everybody has an opinion on it. Even if they Mm -hmm. don't realize they have an opinion, as soon as you ask, Mm -hmm. they reveal that, oh, yeah, they do have an opinion. Everybody's thoughts differ slightly. Everyone's got something to contribute. And it's just been such a wonderful way to get into that sort of December spirit for me. I really enjoyed it. What's your, you sent a great text to me, Joe, with your thoughts (laughs) on Christmas movies. I did? Yeah, I really, you know what? I'm just, (laughs) I'm going to read it. This is. Okay, thanks. I can't remember what I said. These are Joe's words, okay? (laughs) Oh. Generally, I don't want to suggest that the values of Christmas films are only Christian, but the construction is explicitly and also implicitly based on a Christian framework of cosmology, perhaps which may apply more broadly to people of other and no faith, but insofar as it is portrayed and exemplified in Christmas films and the holiday season, it is at its core Christian. Perhaps it may move beyond, but we are not equipped to make such a judgment. I'm in agreement. I agree with Mm. that assessment. So the context of that text, I was listening back to the edited version of the podcast. You mean of our Elf episode? Yes, And I think I was able to frame much more clearly what I was thinking in response to Chris rather than in the moment I stumbled through a a question Mm. around this or some thoughts on this. So I think that was in response to listening to the episode, which also is an interesting thing. We don't often do this recap kind of or never further thoughts but yeah yeah more things come out when we we go back and re-listen to what people had to say outside of the immediate moment of responding in a kind of an interview setup Mm -hmm. it was really nice yep it was great thanks again to our guest chris dc for his time and willingness to contribute to this bonus episode in reuse of the audio we're very grateful for all of his work on the subject and his generous engagement Thanks so much, Chris. Joe, before we say goodbye, what Christmas movies did you watch over the Christmas period? Oh, okay. So I've already discussed Violent Night, which you watched for the first time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we watched Elf. Mm-hmm. And then since then, I've been on a bit of a rundown and we watched The Meg with Jason Statham. <laughs> That's not a Christmas movie. I didn't say they were Christmas films when I oh, said that. Just I watched movies. some films. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also, last night, watched the blues brothers uh which is good fun oh great movie yeah Yeah. so very very christmas movies (laughs) but i think it's more about who you're watching them with there are a few things that are more enjoyable than watching films that are funny intentionally or otherwise with people that you love Mm -hmm. and at least for me this is the time of year where you can most easily do that yeah definitely what about you did you watch anything oh of course yes Okay, so I actually have my kid in the room with me, and he is going to special share. Guest. Yeah, special guest. He's going to share what movies we watched over Christmas. Go ahead. Home Alone, Elf, Klaus. Of course, Klaus. The Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Tim Allen. Miracle on 34th Street. Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. And 
A Muppet Christmas Carol. A Muppet Carol. Christmas Carol. That's the best one. Wow. Yeah. No, we did all the movies. It's like all we did. Yeah. yeah. We have done very little else. <laughs> Amazing. We've gotten some fresh air in between. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Okay, so um, I guess that's all. Mm-hmm. We will be back in 2024. We'll be back with season two and perhaps some more holiday specials because these have been pretty fun. These have been really good. I've been, yeah, I've enjoyed it. All right, Joe. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, listeners. I guess that's us signing off. Yep. Books me off. Bye bye. That's our show today. Gods and Movie Makers is researched and produced by us, Joe Scales and Katie Turner, and supported by listeners like you. Our music is by Style the Kid. As always, you can check out what we're doing on our socials at Pod. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to our website, godsandmoviemakers.com, where you can donate to us or subscribe for additional content. 